So good morning again. This time I'll tell you my name is Parker. I'm here on staff and uh, we're just so excited you're here. Whether you've joined us in person or you're online, we're just happy that you're here. Would you please let us know that you're here? Right in front of you in the chair back is what we call a connection card. If you're new or if there's a need that you have or if there's a way you'd like to get involved with the ministry, fill that out for us so we can connect with you. We'd appreciate that online. You'll see it right there in the panel. So click on that and fill that out for us so we can connect with you. We really would appreciate that. So thank you guys for being here this morning. Couple of quick announcements. First of all, if you've not signed up for Good News Camp, we're going to Southwind and it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be a blast. If anyone has experience, does anybody have experience at Southwind? Let's go, okay. Southwind is a lot of fun. We're going to have a great time there. Weekend of hope. We're going to have fun. We're going to do a lot of good things together. We're going to connect. If you haven't signed up, please do. And if you need some information, you're going to see John Swinghammer and Tanya wearing a shirt that looks a lot like that in the lobby. They'll be around. Ask them some questions. Find out what you need to know so you can see if this might be a good opportunity for you to connect with Good News Church. We'd love to have you there. One more thing, and that is we're going to do a back-to-school bash. So what? Back to school? Don't get crazy. We'll still got a few, we've still got a few weeks. But middle of August, we're going to do a back-to-school bash. It's a lot of fun. I met you guys there, right, last year. So back-to-school bash is a blast. Please plan to be here. Bring your kids. Have some fun with us, and we'll kick off the start of the student program for the year as well. That's going to be a great time. So this morning, we have the opportunity to hear from one of our elders who has been with Good News for a long time, and he's a leader in the community. He and his family have been leading forever, and we're just excited to welcome to the stage Brad Leyland. Thanks, Parker. Thank you, Brad. time when I spoke the last time I told you that I'd been going here for 30 years and I'd never been asked to preach before and so I said listen I'm 50 I'm expecting to get asked again when I'm 80 and so I'm now 51 so it only took a year this time so uh, super stoked yes when I first started coming to good news I wasn't married I didn't have four kids right I had just moved to St. Augustine good news didn't even have a building we were renting space at the Riverview Club and Smiley, who's the senior pastor of our church, used to have a, what do you call that thing where the hair grows long? A, a mullet, right? And he used to wear polyester suits every Sunday. And we didn't have any fancy stuff. We used an overhead for the, for the worship. So things have changed. The best things have been that I have four wonderful children and I've been married to Wendy for 25 or 26 years. And so... Um, <laughs> So that is really fun. But I am an elder here. It's been so fun. I'm a volunteer. I, ha I did get to go to seminary, but I don't do that in my day job. And so to get to talk about Jesus and to prepare for a sermon is super fun. And so I'm so happy that Dave is on vacation. He deserves it. He preaches every week. And um, today we're going to keep talking about 2 Timothy. Specifically, um, we're going to talk about this verse here. But the, the point that we're going to talk about today is that Jesus helps us live well and then die well. And so, like, perspective. I've been saying for a long time that, that what you get when you meet Jesus, it doesn't actually change. A lot of things don't change. 
but Jesus gives you perspective, right? Perspective for hard things, perspective for good things. It gives you perspective, right? And so that's the living well. Um, but one of the things that I do when I have my time with Jesus every morning, right? Like I love getting up when the house is quiet and reading my Bible and spending time with the Lord. It's just a part of my life. And um, actually, it's really fun. Dave and I have been in a Bible reading group for about five years. And every day, Dave and I and Don and a couple other people, Jeff, who actually lives in London and is here today with his family, we read the same verses in the Bible and then we journal about them together. And, you know, I'm such an uh, OCD person. I like to be the one that gets up first and does it first before the other folks. But accountability in your quiet time is important. But I, I read through the Bible every year. But one of the things when you, what I do is when I read the Bible is sometimes I'll read the same verses in multiple versions of the Bible, right? Well, what does that mean? Are there multiple versions? You just pick the one that you like the best? Well, no, there's really just one. The Bible is written in Greek and Hebrew, Old Testament and Hebrew, the New Testament and Greek, and people have translated them, right? And so you have different versions. And so today, we're going to read it we're in, the, in the ESV first, um, but uh, that's, and that's usually what we, we look at scripture here at Good News in that version. But then I'm going to read it in two other versions, the J.B. Phillips, which is my favorite, um, and then um, the message as well. And so hopefully that'll help you hear scripture slightly differently. And so um, here is the verse we're looking at today, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. And, and you'll notice we just sang a song, Do Not Be Ashamed of the Gospel, Lord. Wait, it's coming in the scripture? Okay, so much of the, of the music we sing is from scripture. So here we go. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day which has been entrusted to me. So I'm not sure what you heard God say to you. Like, I'm not sure what word. Like, if, you know, I'm such a person that likes to, like, not talk, I, wanna, I want you to turn to your neighbor right now, and I want you to say what word stuck to you, right? So just for a second, just look, sit, look, we're going to talk in the middle of the sermon. Just look to your neighbor and say what word that you just heard stuck out at you. Go ahead. Do that for a second. See, I'm going to keep you from falling asleep. Right? It's really good. Okay, so, so one of the things that helps me understand, like for me, don't be ashamed. Like that's the don't be ashamed. I heard that. That's what I heard when I read and I was preparing for this. I'm not sure what you heard. But sometimes it's difficult for me to understand a, a scripture if I don't have the context of like who's actually talking. Like who is, who is talking in this and who is being talked to. And so let's start with who wrote this, like who wrote these verses, and when the person wrote those verses, and where that person was, right? And so this, the person that wrote this was Paul. Now who's Paul? Like we, 
It's not like uh, Paul, like down the street, Paul. This is Paul that wrote most of the New Testament. He didn't write the first, first, first four, four books, Matthew, Lark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are called the Gospels. He didn't write those, but he wrote most of the rest of the New Testament. And he, and he wrote, most of them were letters to churches, uh, Corinthians. He wrote a letter to the Corinthian church. He wrote Ephesians. He wrote a letter to the Ephesians church, Galatians to the Galatian church. Well, here's Paul writing a letter to who? Anybody want to raise their hand? Timothy, right? He's, it's a little different. He's actually writing a letter to Timothy. So Paul, and then, and then how, where is Paul in his life? Okay, well, Paul, you may have heard, did these missionary journeys. Remember, he's writing to churches. He went and visited all these churches. And so Paul is out on his sort of last missionary journey. And he's on this journey, and he gets arrested. Now, Paul has been arrested before. The first time he got arrested, the authorities weren't too strict, and they put him under house arrest. But this is, he got out of that, and then he goes on another journey to share Christ with folks in the world, and as he's on this journey, he gets arrested again, but this time he gets put in jail, right? Remember it says here in the scriptures, nor of me his prisoner, right? Paul is actually in jail when he writes this, and he's pretty sure that he's not going to make it, which he doesn't, and so he's at the end of his life, and so these verses, like they're written by a person who has been sharing Christ and is in jail, like not the fancy jails that we have now, probably a pretty dark, dungy, wet jail cell. And Paul is writing this to this person, Timothy. Now remember, Paul, Paul was a person. Who was Paul? Like if you don't remember, Paul, Paul was somebody who was Jewish. He was a Roman citizen. And he kind of grew up like hating Christians and then had that incredible experience that you can read about in Acts 9, where, where like the Lord, the Holy Spirit came upon him and he turned his life over to Jesus. And so Paul is just, is just an evangelist and now he's in jail and he's at his end of his life. Uh, John Stott, who's a famous biblical scholar, has said um, that, that, this, that this is Paul's last, last will and testament to the church. Like, I hear the words different. Like, think about a loved one that has passed away or, or, and, and that it says these final words to you, right? Like this is Paul at the end of his life in jail writing to Timothy. And so now that you've heard the context of these verses, right? I'm going to read it a second time, this time in the J.B. Philip. And I want you to think about Paul, like in a jail, really old, writing what could be his last words. This book is probably the last book he wrote, the last letter he ever wrote. So it's stronger with that context. And so um, let's read it again. And this is in the Philip version. So never be ashamed of bearing witness to our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, except as I do all the hardships that faithfulness to the gospel entails in the strength that God gives you. For he has rescued us from all that is really evil and called us to a life of holiness, not because of any of our achievements, but for his own purpose. Before time began, he planned to give us in Christ the grace to achieve this purpose. But it is only since our Savior, Jesus Christ, has been revealed that the method has become apparent. For Christ has completely abolished death and has now, through the gospel, opened to us men the shining possibilities of the life that is eternal. 
It is this gospel that I'm commissioned to proclaim. It is of this gospel that I'm appointed both messenger and teacher. And it is for this gospel that I am now suffering these things. Yet I am not in the least ashamed. For I know the one in whom I have placed my confidence. And I am perfectly certain that the work he has committed to me is safe in his hands until that day. Now I wonder if your word changed now that you know the context for the verses. So go ahead, back to your neighbor. What word did you hear this time or what changed? Go ahead and talk. You're allowed to talk at church. It's true. Talk to your neighbor. Okay, good. So, so for me, understanding where Paul was when he wrote this changed the intensity of him suffering for the gospel. Like, don't be afraid to suffer for the gospel, but he was really suffering for the gospel. So the same thing stood out at me, but it stood out at me in a much deeper way. Right? Context is important. When we talk about having your time with Jesus every day and growing closer to the Lord, like sometimes it's reading, but then sometimes it's not just reading the verses, but understanding the verses so you can, they can come alive to you. Right? That's part of growing as a Christian. Okay, so now we know who wrote it. But then we ask ourselves, well, who was this Timothy fellow? Right? Who was Timothy? Okay, well, there's tons of references, and we can learn so much about Timothy. Um, first of all, um, we learn in 1 Timothy 4.12, which was written just a few years earlier, Paul wrote it just a few years earlier, a very famous verse that many teenagers talk about. And it's this. He, in 1 Timothy 4.12, uh, Paul says, "Let no he's speaking to Timothy, let no one despise you because of your age. So Timothy is young. Like we know that Timothy is a young person. Well, what else do we know about Timothy? Okay, well in 1 Timothy 5.23, Paul referred to Timothy's frequent ailments and told him to drink a little wine sometimes, right? And so in, in 1 Timothy 5.23, basically we learn that Timothy gets sick a lot. And Paul's saying, well, maybe you should drink some wine or something to help settle your stomach, right? Okay, I'm not suggesting don't say I went to church and they told me to drink some wine. Um, but, and then later, and several times through both books, we see like Paul saying to Timothy, be bold, don't be shy, stand up for your faith, don't be ashamed. And so we can, I kind of get the image that Timothy was a bit of an introvert, right? That's not a word that would have been in the New Testament, but, but he was shy. Right, so what we really kind of have is a young guy prone to illness who was an introvert. And Paul is writing this to him, right? Um, but who was Timothy to Paul? Like, so we know that Paul, Timothy was kind of young and, and sick and, and shy. But, but how did, what was Paul's relationship to Timothy like? That's an important thing to understand. And it's all over Scripture. So first of all, in 1 Corinthians 4.17 we see that Paul calls Timothy his beloved and faithful child in the Lord. So Paul actually led Timothy to faith in Christ, right? Like I remember the very first person that I led to faith in Christ. As a new, younger Christian, I was 18 years old. I'd learned and I'd heard about sharing my faith. It intimidated the heck out of me. And there was, I took this, I was a young life leader and I took this group of kids to camp from where I was a volunteer leader, and um, they heard the gospel, and I knew that I needed to take, like sometimes you share the gospel, and sometimes when you share the gospel with a friend, 
you have to ask them this scary question. Do you have any questions, right? And I remember saying to Jeremiah Brown, Jeremiah, we've talked a lot about Jesus. Do you have any questions? And Jeremiah looked at me and said, yeah, Brad, I have a really big one. And I'm like, you have a really big question? He's like, I'm really not ready to accept Jesus until I get this answered. And I'm, I'm so scared. I'm like, can I call a friend? Like, who can come with me on this conversation? And so I just, I said to Jeremiah, I said, Jeremiah, well, I don't know if I'm going to know the answer, but what's your question? And Jeremiah goes, well, I hear you guys talking about Christ, and I hear you talking about Jesus. Is it the same person or different people? And I'm like, huh, it's the same person. And he's like, well, then I'm ready to accept Jesus Christ. And so I got to lead Jeremiah Brown to faith in Christ. It was so amazing, right? I've only seen Jeremiah, like, I've, he graduated and went to college, and I hadn't seen Jeremiah in years. And back at the Riverview Club, back, you know, 20-something years ago, Jeremiah just randomly came to church, and I got to see him here at Good News. And he doesn't live in St. Augustine. He just wanted to go to church when he was on vacation, and I got to see him. And so I have this, you feel the intimacy, like, the intimacy between me and Jeremiah Brown, this person I got to lead the faith in Christ. One of my other Young Life kids, Will, is here today, and he's like 40-something, right? And so, but I have that same intimacy with him. Like, I love him dearly, and the fact that he's here today with his wonderful family, of which he has an, a kid that graduated from high school, I don't know how that happened, um, uh, is so dear to me. So when Paul is writing to Timothy, is his beloved and faithful child in the Lord. This is a special relationship, right? And then it goes on to say in Romans 16, 21, that Paul did ministry with Timothy. So it's not only like that he, he's not only that he led him to faith in Christ, but they did ministry together. Like I remember taking Will to Windy Gap and as a high school kid. Will, this is the kid that's here that's 40 something. And Will led this other boy, David, to faith in Christ. Right? Like, I was incredible to watch Will share his faith with what, David Teal, one of his friends, and then David commit his life to Christ. Like, it was one of my proudest moments to do ministry with Will, right? And so, so Paul did that with Timothy. Paul uh, did ministry, and he says, he said he called him in Romans 16, 21, brother and God's servant in the gospel. And then in Philippians 2, 20, Paul says this about Timothy. He says, I have no one like him in my life, right? And, and so Paul was single. Like, he just had friends, right? And he refers to Timothy as a really special person in his life, right? And so, so when, when he writes these, he's writing to this person who's really important, who's young, who's kind of sick and shy, and he's saying these strong words. Um, so I want to... Um, you know, John Stott said this, um, uh, this other line that I thought was really great, um, is someone who is reading these pages in a similar situation, are you young and weak and shy, yet God is calling you to leadership, right? Like, that was such a strong, John Stott writes these great commentaries about the Bible, I love them, I read them, it gives me context, and every, all of a sudden he just writes this, like, I wonder if someone's reading my commentary that needs to be empowered to be a leader, and so um, I wanted to say it to you. But now I want to read the verse one more time. You understand who Paul is. You understand who Timothy is. You understand their relationship with each other. I wonder if the scripture doesn't come even more alive, right? And so let's read it one more time. And this time it's in the message. 
And so um, the message translation. So don't be embarrassed to speak up for our master or for me, his prisoner. Take your share of suffering for the message along with the rest of us. Who can, who can, we can only keep on going after all by the power of God who first saved us and then called us to this holy work. We had nothing to do with it. It was all his idea, a gift prepared for us in Jesus long before we knew anything about it. But we know it now. Since the appearance of our Savior, nothing could be plainer. Death defeated, life vindicated, in a steady blaze of life, all through the work of Jesus. This is the message I've been set apart to proclaim as preacher, emiss- I can't say this word, um, emissary, emissary, thanks Wendy, and teacher. It is also the cause of all this trouble I'm in, but I have no regrets. It's the cause of all the trouble I'm in. I have no regrets. I couldn't be more sure of my ground. The one I've trusted in can take care of what he's trusted me to do right to the end. Okay, so look to your neighbor. Again, what did you hear that time? Now that we've talked about so much context. Neighbor, go ahead, neighbor. So for me, after all the studying, after all the thinking, my don't be ashamed actually changed for me. It, it, it changed to this, I have no regrets, right? You see how they go together? Like you're, you're a timid Christian and you don't share Christ with your friends and then you regret it, right? And so my shame turned into thinking about I don't want to regret, right? But the point of today's sermon is that, you know, that Jesus lets us live and die well. And I think there's four points that I wanted to make about that. They're on the screen behind me, and, and I'll talk through them briefly. Uh, but, but, I, but I think the first point that I want to make that these verses bring us is that we don't want to be ashamed of the gospel, right? It says in the ESV, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. It says in the J.B. Phillips, so never be ashamed of bearing witness to our Lord. In the message, don't be embarrassed to speak up for our master, right? Like, when are, don't be a closet Christian. Like, if you, be, you know, like, there's different ways that we can talk about Jesus. Sometimes we talk about Jesus by actually breaking the sound barrier and using words, right? Sometimes we talk, but sometimes it's the way we live, the way we love other people, right? Like, there's, there's lots of ways to share Christ, um, you know, I often get on, get on planes and I fly places and I usually put my earbuds in and try to just not talk to the people next to me. But recently I was on a plane and the guy sits down next to me and he just wanted to talk, right? And like, I invited him to church today. I'm not sure he's here, but, um, but he was so fun. I said, he started talking and I said, where do you live? And he goes, the World Golf Village. And I, and I was like, hmm, here's an opportunity that I may or may not take, right? And so I said... I go to church in the World Golf Village, right? right? That broke the sound barrier with him, right? I wasn't ashamed. I said, church, right? And then he said, where? And I said, oh, the church right by the interstate. He said, do you mean good news? And I was like, yeah. And then I said, I said, yeah. He said, I used to go there. There was a crazy preacher up on stage, and I don't think he's there anymore, right? And I'm like, Oh, he's, the guy that's there now is pretty crazy too, but it's a different person, right? And he's like, yeah, I really need to go again, you know? And we just had this 
lovely conversation, right? But he didn't say church, right? He said World Golf Village, right? And I had to make a decision if I wanted to get my email done or I wanted to talk about life, right? And obviously I did. But there's other times, like the way you live and the way you treat people. Uh, a few years ago, I was chaperoning a prom. I was a volunteer young life leader for St. Augustine High. No, uh, yeah, for St. Augustine High. And I was chaperoning the prom and, uh, with, with Wendy. And this kid came up to me that I'd never met in my whole life. And he said, I'm in trouble. Will you help me? And I said, I said, yeah, but why are you asking me? And he said, well, because I know you're a young life leader and you love the Lord and I know you can help me, right? I'd never talked to him, right? I've just, I was just doing my thing, like hanging out and trying to invest in relationships with people at the high school as a young life staff person. And yet he observed it and in his time of need, he came to me. And so like, so part of it is my encouragement is to, I don't think you're gonna, you might have an opportunity to talk about Jesus, but you definitely have the opportunity to live out Jesus and, and not be ashamed of loving people for the Lord. So the, the second point is, you know, share in the suffering uh, of the gospel. Uh, it says in verse 8, but share in the suffering, in the ESV, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God, or in the J.B. Phillips, accept as I do the hardship that faithfulness to the gospel entails in the strength that God gives you. And it says in the message, take your share of suffering for the message along with the rest of us, right? I have not been persecuted as much as some Christians have, right? There's people around the world that have given their lives to share Christ with others. Paul is in jail when he writes this, and he says, share in the suffering. Like, we're probably not going to get called to that. You're probably not going to get to do it, that, get to do that, right? You're not going to have that kind of extreme opportunity for suffering. The most extreme version I had was back in my young life days, um, I was at St. Augustine High as a volunteer young life leader, and I was doing, we were doing outreach and, and just hanging out with kids. And, and there was a, these four boys that, um, that really didn't want to, didn't like young life. And they did not like what it stood for, and they did not want to have anything to do with it. And they formed a band. The band was called Boredom. And they were a surf rock punk band. And they, they would not go to Young Life Club, ever, right? And they tried to get their friends not to go to Young Life Club. That was the kind of thing. I, I was just happy to engage with them. But they, uh, they entered the talent show at St. Augustine High. And I went there at the talent show. This is 25 years ago. And at the talent show, they sang a song that all the kids were able to understand. I was able to understand. But the administration was not able to understand, right? They sang a song that began with the letter F that was a cuss word, and it was Young Life. So it was that cuss word, Young Life, and that was their song. And they sang it, and I sat in the audience while they sang this song where everybody was cheering. That was my greatest persecution moment, right? But I continued to pray for these four boys, and every single one of them ended up committing their lives to Christ. Every single one of them. So suffering takes different forms. For me, it was to have to sit in an audience while people heard this song that was directly pointed at me, right? But there's other forms of suffering, like you might need to sacrifice financially so that you can support our church or support missionaries that you're called to do. There's financial sacrifice, right? Then there's the sacrifice of engaging with hard people. Has anybody in your life a hard person like to engage with? Maybe they talk too much or they don't listen or they're just frustrating to be around, right? Like that's suffering for the gospel is to be their friend, right? I remember in college there was this person that was kind of hard to engage with and um, 
I, you know, I just felt called, and I just would hang out with her every once in a while. And I remember one day she said to me, Brad, thanks for being the best friend I've ever had. And I was like, huh, I don't feel like a very good friend, right? <laughs> but, but that was her perspective. And so sometimes it's engaging with hard people. Recently, my brother's wife died, right? And like my brother has, uh, he's my age, right? And so his wife was our age and she got brain cancer and died. And so my brother called me every day. Um, and I'm not that close to my brother and my brother's not a Christian. Uh, but yet I was the person who my brother called every day. Like we used to talk once a month or maybe every other month. But every day he would call and he would talk and he didn't make a lot of sense because he was just in this stage of grief, right? So I got to do that, like, right? Like it was always, he would always, I think he had a camera because it would always be right when we were about to sit down for dinner or right when we were gonna like watch TV or something, he would always call then, right? And that was just my chance to love him for Jesus, right? Is to love my brother. And I was honored um, to do that. Another way to suffer sometimes is to honor your parents. And I'm speaking to young people and I'm speaking to older people, right? It's always a discipline and a commitment. It's one of the Ten Commandments to honor your mother and father. And so honoring your mother and father is hard, right? My mom's here. It's not hard to honor my mom. She's awesome. But, but what I'm saying is that we're called to do that. Even when our parents make weird decisions, we're called to love them, right? Not get them out of our lives. And then the last thing is um, I, I, I'm a parent of uh, three teenagers and a 21-year-old. And um, I used to think that when my children were babies and were in diapers, that was hard. That was actually just physically hard. Being a parent of teenagers just is emotionally hard, right? I love my children, but they're just teenagers. And teenagers, I've learned, is part adult and part toddler, right? And, and so um, one of my teenagers is here, Sydney. She's great. And, um, but at the same time, she's learning to be an adult, right? And so there are some times as a parent, that I don't want to engage my children because they just are hard, right? And I want to just kind of be suck into work or just watch TV or something. But I see them, like I see my, my son Jack, he's not here today, but Jack will be like, so what's up dad? And I'm like, oh, he wants to talk. I'm tired, right? But suffering for Jesus is doing that, is being a good parent, right? It's not, it's a privilege too, but when you're exhausted, and you've had a hard day, and your kids are there, and they need you, you kind of give a little extra, right? And so, so this, that's the second point, is that we need to, um, we need to suffer and, and do it for the gospel, right? The third point is have no regrets. You know, like, we all are going to get to the end of our lives, and we're going to have to think about the things that we wish we'd done or, ha or, or didn't do. There's that scene from Schindler's List that I'm not going to play today, but Schindler's List was a movie about the Holocaust and this story about a person who used his resources to save Jewish people who were going to be um, killed. And as he was being praised for all the lives he saved, he, there's this scene where he's got this car and he's got a nice watch, and they're thanking him, and he's saying, but I could have done so much more. I could have sold this car. I could have sold this watch, right? And it's just a fabulous scene about a person reflecting on what they could have done. I don't want to guilt you into saying, sell your car and your watch. Don't do that unless God's calling you to. But I, I do want you to not have regrets, right? There is, I don't want you to have regrets in relationships, and I don't want you to have re regrets with the loved ones 
that God's put you in relationship with, like my brother, right? Like I supported him all through this horrible thing in his life. But then he said to me, Brad, would you do Paige's funeral? I'd like you to talk about God because a lot of people need to hear that, you know? Like that's a positive moment for me. Like I suffered and it's not suffered. I served my brother, but then he asked me to do this incredible special thing which was, again, not easy, but I was really glad that I took a call all those times, that I got to have that, that moment with him. And so, you know, some of you have had, and I'm talking today, and I'm talking a lot about, like, leading Jeremiah Brown to faith in Christ. Some of you have people in your life that you need to just ask them the simple question. Like, have you committed your life to Jesus? Like, I remember the first time someone asked me that. I grew up in the church, Right? And I went to church, and I was really proud of the fact that I was an Episcopalian, right? Someone said, are you a Christian? I said, no, I'm an Episcopalian. My mother's an Episcopalian, and her father was an Episcopalian. And just like a car in a car dealership is a car, I'm an Episcopalian, right? Right, like, that was my belief. And then I remember my best friend, Steve, saying to me one day, Brad, have you, do you, have you accepted Christ into your life? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And I was like, Psh, of course, but I didn't. Like, I didn't know what he was saying. And so I went to my youth group leader and I said, is it true that to have a personal relationship with Christ, you have to actually ask him into your life, confess your sins, and then you can begin a new, fresh life? Is that true? Could you imagine if you were a youth group leader and a kid said that to you, right? I mean, talk about a slam dunk, right? And so I was that kid, and I said it, and, 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 and then he said, yes, and would you like to do that? And I didn't have any questions. I said, sure, you know? And so there's probably people in your life that you need to say something like that to, right? So I encourage you to do that. And just, you know, in reality, I don't know where it's at, but I, I don't know how to do it. But one person this week committed their life to Christ, and so... I don't know how to put the, we'll do it later, but there is one of these um, life rings that should be added. But I say to you, there could be someone here that's never accepted Jesus into your life. And if that's so, it's really not that complicated. It's admitting that you're a sinner, that you can't do life on your own. It's believing that Jesus has saved you and, um, and committing your life to Christ. It's as easy as ABCs. And if you've never done that, after church, I can help answer any questions you have, like the easy ones, like Jesus and Christ. The hard ones, Parker's going to answer. Um, but, but, the, but there could be somebody in your life that you need to just say that to. Because sometimes people don't understand. They need the journey. If I hadn't said that to Jeremiah Brown, Jeremiah, do you have any questions? He would have been stuck in a place. He, you could be that person. And so I encourage you not to have regrets with the people in your life. Right? Steve, my friend, I remember him asking me the question, have you ever done it? And I was so confused, right? So you have a role to play. Please don't have regrets in that. And then the last point is to work hard to the very end. Um, you know, you hear it in these verses where Paul says, you know, work until the end. I, the greatest example of this is Wendy's grandmother, Grandy. This woman lived to 104 and, and I, I didn't, Grandy was a woman that loved the Lord her whole life. And even as she entered into stages of dementia, she still loved the Lord and, and shared Christ with people. She didn't get to be 95 and say, I'm good, right? She just kept doing ministry. 
Like she had a Bible study that led every week. And when she couldn't walk anymore and had to use a walker and her vision was going, she just said, well, I can't lead the Bible study anymore by going to church. So how about everybody come to my house? And she just kept hosting and kept having people there, right? She served until the very end. The crazy thing about Grandy is that I had a friend, uh, I was dating Wendy, and Wendy talked about this woman, Grandy, and her meaning, and how she served, and how she loved the Lord, and she cared for Wendy. And, and then I was in this small group with these guys in Jacksonville, and there was this guy there named Rob. And I didn't know that Rob was a cousin of Wendy. I didn't know that, right? But Rob talked about this grandmother in his life that just loved the Lord and shared Christ and just was so inspirational. And the way he talked about this woman was exactly the way that Wendy talked about Grandy. And so I said, Rob, in this Bible study, random Bible study, I said, Rob, are you related to Wendy Curl? And he's like, yeah, it's my cousin. And I made the connection through Grandy and the way this woman served. And so, like, Paul is in prison at the end of his life writing a letter to Timothy saying, go forth and share the gospel and don't be ashamed and be bold, right? And so I just charge all of us to use our gifts, all of our gifts, for all of our lives, right? Wherever we find ourselves. We have very young people here and we have older people here. And all of us are called to live our lives to the very end. And, and my friends, like, that brings us to the end. Like, if we live well, right, then we can die well. Like, if we, Paul said to Timothy, don't be ashamed, share in the sufferings, have no regrets, work hard to the very end. Those messages work for us. Like, we can do all those things, and by doing this, we get to the point today, which is that we can live well and then thus allow us to die well. And so thank you. Let me pray for us, and then we'll be done. So Lord, thank you so much uh, for the chance to reflect on your work in the world. Thanks for Paul and Timothy and the stories in the Bible that help us grow. And Jesus, I do pray that we would not be ashamed, Lord, of the gospel. I pray that we would share in the suffering, whatever that means, whether it's a hard conversation with one of our kids or serving our parents, Lord, wherever it is, um, I pray that, that you would give us the strength to do it. Lord, I do pray that we would have no regrets in life, that we would fully embrace what you've called us to do and work very hard until the very end. Your son's name I pray. Amen.